I think also you can, you're supposed to like clear your computer cache every once in a while. That takes up a lot of like unnecessary space. If it's cache, why would you want to clear it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait, okay. let's. Alexia, I nominate you yeah. to the POV. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, guys. Welcome to another episode of Nymphat Alumni. So we're going to start out with a POV just to get you guys in the right headspace. So, POV. The year is 2014. You're on the back porch of a party, smoking a poorly rolled backwood. Your styrofoam cup of questionable liquid rests on a sticky, dimpled glass table. Boo! You hear a sliding open door. (laughs) Wait, (laughs) why is this so Oh god, why was Boo the only, like, on the of here I can think of for, like, a door opening? Okay, sorry. Oh my god, okay, sorry. that wasn't really funny. A boy with his shirt buttoned all the way up to his throat approaches you, his choppy boyish hair ringed by a yellow porch light. He asks if you have ever heard of Odd Future, and he offers you some bars. Welcome to the Zandemic. That was really good. That was beautiful. Thank you. Got a dramatic read. <laughs> Thank That's you. Exactly what my life was like in 2014. Uh, and today we're coming to you from the principal's office, but not just any principal's office. The principal's a little principal's office in on the island of Samoa, in the Pacific Ocean. The principal's office of a little place we like to call the uh, Coral Reef Academy. Right? Yes. Coral Reef Academy. We're yeah. on the island of lost boys. <laughs> and at We're risk, really on at risk teens. And the principal is so mean. She confiscated our podcast mics. And we have to record in Aren't here. It? And she's monitoring um, our every word. Yeah. <laughs> We're just yelling really loudly and hoping that you can hear us and mm-hmm. stateside. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We're like handcuffed. And seen. <laughs> Yeah. So, guys, what is the Zandemic? Um, Zandemic is a, a term coined by Biz, I believe. I did not coin it. <laughs> you didn't coin it? it? The internet did? No. Okay. Some you random person online. on TikTok. I wish yeah. we had better, like, citation practice, but, like, someone yeah. said it. I don't know. I have seen it from multiple sources concurrently, so I think it just came into the ether somehow. Yeah. And also, like, whenever I looked it up, random SoundCloud rappers have, like, used it as, like, titles, mm-hmm. so I think they all came to that idea separately. Yeah. It's got a ring to it. Um, pandemic. It's similar to the pandemic. Exactly. Very that on brand. Sound. Zandemonium, also. Zandemonium. <laughs> but I Zandemic did coin is... that. I did coin yeah, that. Yeah, this coined that. But Zandemonium... <laughs> Wait, sorry. Zandemic <laughs> is good because it is associated with a certain time period as a pandemic. Yeah. So speaking of pandemic, the pandemic was a period marked by increase in drug abuse and recreational use, specifically downers like opioids, benzos, obviously the drug Xanax and things like Percocets, painkillers. And not only was there this epidemic of drug use we're specifically going to talk about this from the american point of view by the way i'm sure this was happening elsewhere but we're going to talk about down down here so yeah this is epidemic of drug use but it also had very pervasive effects on media and culture we're gonna date this potentially 
between the years 2013 and 2017 loosely. 2013 is kind of like a looser starting date, but 2017 is definitely the year it ended because that was the year when Lil Peep died and XXXTentacion died. Lil Peep died of a fentanyl overdose um, and XXXTentacion died of a shooting, but because he was such a prominent figure within this style of music, it did contribute to its ending. Yeah. This is when SoundCloud rappers really became like a meme. And also Mac Miller died around that time as well yeah. from mixing prescription drugs with um, alcohol, which guys don't do that. Yeah, and Lil Peep mm-hmm. took Fig Xanax that was cut with fentanyl. Yeah. And he posted about taking Xanax right before he died. Mm-hmm. So it had this specific public resonance because it's almost like now people are able to like live tweet their deaths which i think makes it more impactful for the public mm-hmm. but there's definitely been a convergence of events that have led us us three women to reflect on this time so the first is the very popular show euphoria it deals heavily with drug use in teenagers in like suburban america and particularly this season season two of the show which premiered about a month ago i'd say mm-hmm. the breakout star has been this character called fez fesco he's like the show's drug dealer he's a very specific type of like i don't know how would you guys describe him as a character he's um he's definitely soundcloud rap adjacent the the way that he dresses and the way that he behaves and i'm sure that like this character and whatever like fake mythology he has like has dabbled in like the creation of music um just like his dress and aesthetic is very sound cloudy i forgot to say that he has a specific resemblance to the late rapper mac miller who we just mentioned right he, he looks just like him uh mm-hmm. and he has this like swagged out white boy vibe but also this uh kind of slurred speech and like numbness and static facial expression and like tends to be a very emotionless character among the various forces of chaos in this show mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy and also he like traps out of a convenience store which i think is like mm-hmm. the heart of suburban america because it's like throughout all of the hours it's this beacon in the mm-hmm. night <laughs> where people converge and enjoy the conveniences of the convenience society. store. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Mac Miller's 30th birthday also just passed. So there's been a wave of nostalgia, people reflecting on his career and also what he meant to the larger culture. A major one to me is that fentanyl overdose made, recently became the number one cause of death among people aged 18 to 40, I think, surpassing car accidents, heart disease, suicide. All of those things, which is kind of, like, record-breaking and really sad. Very dark. Also, sort of the apocalyptic Astroworld event shifted contemporary people's popular opinion on hip-hop and also the pregnancy of Rihanna with ASAP Rocky kind of marks the sort of end, like, the hard end of, like, the creation of this type of media. And I think people are are being motivated to reflect back on its golden years, which is the Zandemic as we uh, <laughs> determined it. Sorry, I'm like brain dead suddenly. But, um, I just like accidentally tried, I like wiped my eye and now my hand is like covered in glitter. <laughs> it's so bad. 
Uh, you guys can't see it, but Biz and I did special Euphoria makeup for this recording session, and it looks really good. Yeah, it looks yeah, amazing. They look really, really, thank you. They look like very nice. Yeah. They look like better than the Euphoria cover. They they did like the Rue <laughs> glitter tears. They're they're that, happy Euphoria yeah. tears. They're happy should, Euphoria tears. Should yeah. we define what fentanyl is at the top? Just because we mentioned it, and I feel like it's not as well known as Xanax, but it seems yeah, really important. Yeah, yeah. So fentanyl is like essentially a really really strong painkiller. Like it's an opioid that's like eighty to hundred times stronger than morphine, and a lot of street versions of prescription drugs are cut with it as like a filler but it's like really deadly because obviously it's super potent so basically a lot of the media that surrounded this this era of culture was very focused on suburban adolescent american life in a very ambient desolate way we coined this dark suburbia the energy surrounding it kind of encapsulates the dark underbelly of the american suburbs Late night drives, convenience stores, the glow of neon lights, old cars, fast food, hanging out in parking lots, uh, feeling free because you have a car, but feeling trapped because the world that surrounds you is a massive sprawl that's homogenous with no variation. But the lonely stoner does seem to free his mind at night. Dark suburbia is kind of the, it's a strategy for coping with life in the suburbs because I think they take on a mystical air or this uncanniness at nighttime because they're so empty and so strange. (laughs) I don't know how to describe it. Um, The street lights, the fogginess. It's very cryptid adjacent and the homogeny of the American suburbs across the entire country makes it very easy to get lost in. Mm-hmm. And it also makes it so relatable. I mean, you could see an image of any kind of streetlight at an intersection and be like, that looks just like my town. Exactly, yeah. It's also heavily mythologized already, so it's really a reliable trope to indulge in as a teenager li- living in the suburbs. And it seems so based on car culture, because I mean, this is like kind of redundant, but the suburbs mm-hmm. are <laughs> built for cars and not people. Yeah. But whenever you're a teenager and you get a car for the first time, it seems to unlock this new world first of all you can hotbox it second of all you, you can, can fuck in it <laughs> you can That's fuck in true. it third of all you can go anywhere at any time so you're free but also you're trapped and that is the basis of american teenage culture is the car as we all know yeah like mm-hmm. a ford bronco is very dark suburbia like fantasy sydney mm-hmm. swinney has a ford bronco she's an actress <gasps> in euphoria and uh amateur mechanic and she <gasps> has a tiktok called sydney's garage where she like shows herself changing the parts on her ford bronco oh it's pretty impressive God. yeah i i am skeptical of her of it a little bit yeah. but not because i don't love women i do love women i'm just like <laughs> i'm aware of the strategy that goes into a star like hers social media presence if that makes sense yeah, yeah. That, that does make sense Maybe we could get into um, how the suburbs are basically built. The Xandemic is inherently tied to the suburbs because I think that Xanax and general benzos are the foundation of how the suburbs were built ever since their inception. Like in the 1950s and 60s, after the obvious World War II economic boom that allowed for the expansion of the urban sprawl, housewives became, became like a lot more alienated from their traditional condensed social groups and then the birth of the nuclear family sort of 
emerged and they began to really feel the brunt of the psychological effects of suburban malaise and prescribed benzos, which were referred to in the 60s and 70s as mother's little helper. Yeah, like you literally need to be chemically assisted autopilot. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what you guys think, but Euphoria is like set in Southern California. And I also think of things like the Florida Project. And it seems like dark suburbia really thrives in warmer climates Mm -hmm. because it's like more pleasant to go outside. And it also seems like the West Coast had like a pretty stronghold on this on culture at this time. It's also like thought wear appropriate. It's like a big part of Euphoria. It would be really like crazy to see it like a version of this, but it's in like Massachusetts or something. It seems like it just wouldn't be able to thrive. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I think that. I think that the heat of the summertime California or like coastal thing, it, it it does give like a vacation-y vibe to it, but I also associate heat in Southern California with a certain level of insanity. And whenever you combine heat with suburban malaise, and I think that suburban malaise has a lot to do with how much sheer space is surrounding you in the suburbs, that the anxiety that you feel within like the most protected, most contrived, most monotonous environment is extremely abstract. It's a feeling of dread instead of a feeling of freneticism, which usually accompanies youth. Mm-hmm. And it's ex- an extreme feeling of boredom. And as people say, idle hands are the devil's workshop. So a lot of very strange and ambient psychosis underscores a lot of the media surrounding this. First of all, I want to say the heat makes people go insanely feral in most places. Second of all, yeah, I think the isolation of the suburb is heightened by the heat because you feel like you're only comfortable when you're in your car or you're in your house because otherwise you're just walking through this like inhospitable, unshaded territory with no trees right. and a uh, general lack of vibes. Secondly, I definitely think the mirage of Southern California was the dream at the time. It was seen by many people during the early 2010s up until 2017 probably as kind of like the antidote to suburban malaise even though there's a lot of suburbs suburbs in California so SoCal had like skate parks surf culture in and out hot girls drugs good vibes also featured super heavily in the music of the time like Frank Ocean's Novocaine mm-hmm. it's like about being off your face on drugs at Coachella and meeting a hot mysterious woman also really good example of dark suburbia because the the woman he's singing about she pays for her dental school by doing porn in the valley the which is like the definition the yeah so yeah good. the weekends the morning was a really big part of zandemic music order plane tickets cali's the mission like people just were obsessed with going to california to make their dreams come true which they always have been but definitely in a specific way during this time Mm-hmm. And then Frank Ocean's Super Rich Kids and Sweet Life off Channel Orange, his breakout album. It's just about rich kid malaise and like the residential part of Los Angeles. But mm-hmm. it still sounded like so foreign and glamorous if you were growing up in typical suburban America that's not in Southern California. Also, I just want to say there's a, a verse on Super Rich Kids when Earl Sweatshirt, who's part of Odd Future, talks about Xanax which I like don't want to rap so I'm not gonna say it but... <laughs> we're gonna freestyle guys yeah, we're gonna... Wait, like, I wrote so many like rap bars down in our notes but I can't say them but here's yeah. a here's a good line too many bottles of this wine we can't pronounce too many bowls of that green no lucky charms that was very much mm-hmm. like 
an aspirational mantra for people yeah. at this time. That was for the sure. anthem. That was really like the, the tag- anthem. Yeah, it was it was the tagline of this movement. And I think that that's obviously like we're all going once you like conjure up those words, it's like an incantation. Like all of the memories start flooding back and you start realizing like exactly what this so was. Good. It does. I mean, it was a very like um coastal vibe. And also I think that uh, the super rich kids thing and just certain vibes that you get from the Odd Future crew are very, they're very adjacent to some of the psychological effects of the suburbs that we found during our research. So obviously the suburbs and the manic repetition of them, it creates like a neuroses and a desperate hunger for escape. So that sort of explains the tropical, almost like 80s nostalgia, like CD vibe to a lot of this aesthetic. But also in a lot of the criticism of the suburbs that we found on the internet, there was a um, specifically in like Australian architectural criticism for some reason. There is this term called cultural cringe that really stood out to me. And whenever I read the definition, I realized that this is actually a very American phenomenon as well. So shout out to Australians for giving me this great term. It's defined as an internalized inferiority complex that causes people in a country to dismiss their own culture as inferior to the cultures of other countries. And this is obviously like they, a lot of people in Australian architectural criticism say that the suburbs and its monotony and its manic repetition are the brewing grounds of cultural cringe and a lot of like the odd future lore is very cultural cringe to me i was just gonna say this makes me think about i feel like there's so many tiktok audios that are like some version of i fucking hate this town do you guys get that a lot oh yeah it's that is also kind of a mantra of suburban cultural cringe yeah, no, it's very like hating your environment. And so you want to get out and you and you literally are trapped because you're a teenager. So you have to find other like imaginative avenues of escape via the Which culture that like you adopt. Doing SoundCloud rap. Yeah. <laughs> it literally is. Yeah. And also, I guess like there's SoCal, there's like Southern Florida. And I feel like the American South. South Carolina. Yeah, the American <laughs> South was blowing up. Like I think... Atlanta was kind of like the birthplace of trap music. No, mm-hmm. um, Future yeah. was on the come up, and I think he's like a very important Sandemic rapper. He literally has a song from 2016 called Zanny Family that's like, mm-hmm. it has a lot of lines about foreign girls as like songs from this period do that are just like, I think, yeah, okay. Three exotic broads, and I got him soaking panties, told him they were oh. certified, welcome to the Zanny family. And it's just like all this stuff about like, <laughs> we're doing bars, like, you're part of the family now because we're like doing Zans. Yeah, that's very, like, um, that feels also tropical, and it, it, there's, like, a heat to all of this, like, like literal, like, physical heat to it, because it, mm-hmm. heat makes you exhausted, it makes you slur your words, because you're, like, all sweaty and delirious, yeah. and so does Xanax. I think, like, the formal qualities of Zandemic music, like, the SoundCloud rap, and that slowed kind of trap music tend to mirror the effects of benzos your low heart rate that gets really low because of these like downers becomes like the slowed bpm the disorientation that you feel becomes like this reverbed and hazy sound and i guess like a main thing is like slurred speech i think this is when mumble rap was really born and that's also like a side effect so it's like this very rhythmic like xenoglossic kind of mode of speaking that almost has like an incantatory feeling to it like I I think that's why people felt it was so dark (laughs) there's like um there's definitely like some weird witchy aspects to 
a lot of even just the words that were thrown around, like golf wang, it sounds like some weird like wizard riddle or something that's going to like <laughs> summon like... Backwards. Yeah, I know. It's like uh, such a weird funny. like... Odd Future is obviously kind of a a pinnacle. In our opinion, it's kind of like the pinnacle of dark suburbia or just a really good example of the culture at this time. There is like the... To bring it back to cultural cringe, there was that free Earl movement within <laughs> Odd Future like at, a, at the beginning when Earl Sweatshirt who is a um, the child of a an academic. What, what, is, what is his mom's background again? She's like a critical again? race theorist who teaches in the UC system. Yeah, she's pretty prolific, I would say. But she sent him to a school in Samoa called the Coral Reef Academy, <laughs> where he was famously detached from the world and everyone was just like confused about his whereabouts, which prompted the Free Earl movement. Which is just like a very childish way of thinking about the world. It has like a Matilda kind of <laughs> like feeling to it. It does, dude. It really does. And then obviously it's like they're riffing off of catchphrases meant for rappers that like actually went to prison. So it does feel very like... Free Wayne. Free TK or whatever. I want to talk about how Earl Sweatshirt, who was one of the most more famous people to come out of Odd Future, I think... This whole movement really encapsulates how big Odd Futures was in the early 2010s. Complex literally did a multi-part investigation in 2011 into Earl's whereabouts and tracked this creepy-ass kid named Tyler Craven down, who also went to Coral Reef Academy to interview him about what it was like there, what Earl was doing. And this was like a serious multi-part investigation that also included evidence from a u.s ambassador we'll link this investigation in the show notes but people were kind of obsessed with what these these kids were up to and these were full-ass mm-hmm. adults as well that were like running the media didn't one of the u.s ambassadors have to actually give an official public statement on like the whereabouts of earl sweatshirt or something according to complex on september 13th 2010 the u.s ambassador to new zealand and samoa david hubner published a photo in a blog post about his visit to an offshore treatment program for at-risk teenage boys. And the photo is no longer available on the complex site, so I cannot see it. But I imagine that Earl Sweatshirt himself was featured in this photograph. So this was seriously an international investigation that involved the U.S. ambassador. These kids were really, like, America's best friends. The opposite of America's mm-hmm. sweethearts. They're, like, little brothers, but also... It was giving, like, little rascals. Is that, that was that little was rascals, called? yeah. Ras- Wait, it's very much rap scallionry. <laughs> yeah. They're terrorizing your neighborhood with this general air of mischief and deviant behavior and associations with quote-unquote hood rat shit like graffiti and oh god skateboarding and maybe a side of like more public destruction i do want to say though that it should be noted that tyler the creator who is the face of odd future did not slash does not use drugs or alcohol according to sources online one of the reasons is because he has asthma which kind of feeds into his like so like public school yes exactly and so i would say that yeah like the real zandemic took place with the soundcloud rappers they kind of promoted the taking xanax and their lyrics and public images and i guess i honestly think earl was on that shit for a while but this was the this was the facet of it that was safe for public consumption because there was because you can couldn't really like Lil Peep was not on the radio because you it was morally irresponsible to put him on the radio for like kids and stuff. Yeah, what's that song? It's like cocaine, 
Well, Lil Peep was so much lo- so much later than Odd Future as yeah. well. I don't think Odd Future was on the radio either, mostly because the most famous song to come out of that canon was the song Yonkers by Tyler the Creator, which is also the most controversial song to come out of that. I don't think Tyler was on the radio until Flower Boy probably. No, you're right. Like, you're you're absolutely right. Yeah, so while we track this genealogy of this time period... Odd Future, I mean, like, they were around in, like, 2011, no? They were 2010, around pretty they early. Emerged, yeah. Yonkers, I think, is major because it marks this... It becomes a darker version of this, like, boyish foolishness that's no longer just provocateur in a hooligan way, but it becomes more, like, edgelord, pop Satanism. In the video, he becomes possessed by a demon. He was always doing that thing where you you roll your eyes into the back of your head a lot of imagery of blacked out eyes and like upside down crosses so he got his starts as an edgelord kind of figure yeah he had definitely some like weird horrorcore influencers or something yeah yonkers is definitely an extremely crucial piece of media for this zandemic period like alexi said Tyler transforms into some sort of demon after eating a cockroach. Eating a cockroach is very hot weather suburbia activity as well. <laughs> like, you're literally eating a cockroach, which flourish in hot weather and, like, mm-hmm. in apartment buildings. It's, yeah, it's showing who he's trying to scare because cockroaches are a suburban nightmare. To suburban people. Yeah. And also, I want to say that, like, Yonkers was very controversial because mm-hmm. of its violent lyrics and numerous disses. But I also think it kind of speaks to kind of an ironic undertone that a lot of these mm-hmm. these hooligans had. Tyler said that, you know, he created this beat in eight minutes and that it was a parody of stereotypical 1990s New York hip hop. So like when he was faced with all this criticism about how these lyrics were talking about stabbing Haley Williams and your fucking esophagus he was like it's literally a joke bro like <laughs> yeah. I pranked you guys no there was definitely like a lot of panic surrounding this video i remember and even like um he was odd future was banned from new zealand and from the uk for a bit because people were concerned that their concerts would cause an excess amount of hooliganism and he was like fuck Theresa may like that bitch banned me from europe or whatever like he has some like interesting tweets <laughs> on that but i was talking to somebody about this because i think that men are very split in their conception of like how it influenced them personally. And some of them were very heavily influenced by Odd Future. They love it. And others were very annoyed by it. And somebody mentioned that they didn't like Tyler, the creator, because it was like a very Eminem, fuck you, mom, horrorcore style of rap. And the basis of Tyler, the creator's humor and Odd Future's humor was like annoying you as much as possible, which I think is true. (laughs) Sam, that point you made about like, their ethos being trying to be as annoying as possible made me think that I think Tyler the Creator reminds me so much of Spongebob because he is so (laughs) annoying and he's as Biz brought up he's kind of skinny he has a similar build buck teeth um and he's wearing a hat sometimes oh wait they they wear the exact same outfit they wear a button-up shirt button up to their neck a little hat of, uh, you know, when SpongeBob was working at the Krusty Krabby, as to wear his hat. And then they also wear tube socks with blue stripes. So, yeah. and fits sensible shoes like Vans. And then it, it made us think the Krusty Krab is in and out. Bikini Bottom is basically so cow. It's true. Like, it's a very childlike Bikini fantasy. Bottom is suburbia because it's like these repeated, uh, are they submarine? Um, they're like boats, called? but they're is, underwater. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're like sunken ships mm-hmm. or something. I think there's submarine, like, periscopes or whatever it's called. 
that are in the ground. <laughs> that was anyways, <laughs> we haven't seen it in like, a while, extre- you guys. I don't know. It's extremely monotonous. Like it's the same house repeated over and over again with a barren wasteland because they're literally on the bottom of the ocean floor. And when they go to Sandy's uh, house, it's like really fun to get there <laughs> because she has a variety of landscape. Her house is the convenience store. Oh my god! I will say that, like the type of hooliganism they were doing was like gooning at the local mall versus getting busted for selling xanax or something i think it's what you would just call petty petty crime and like i think it's literally like classified as a hooliganism in the law it's like being a public nuisance yeah very much mall the mall is and then also just like um truancy vibes and shit loitering i mean their show is only called loiter Loiter Squad. squad yeah also the world is really hostile to skaters uh that's like a number one thing that you'll get in trouble for in some parts of suburbia is like skating through a business plaza. There is like a sort of weird development of their career paths where it it became it, it started out very dark and very like grotesque, very violent lyrics. And I think this is honestly when they were closest to suburbia itself because they do develop this like sad boy type persona that was like more flowery, more easily consumed by the mainstream but in the beginning it was very like gummo-esque and i think we would be remiss to like exclude gummo from this conversation even though it was not the setting of gummo wasn't suburban but its spirit very much is because like i think harmony corin is a he's like an upper middle class californian suburbanite and he was able to really capture like the dark underbelly of american adolescence i don't know about y'all but like I think. Yeah, I mean, kids is pretty dark suburbia. Now. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, it's dark urbanity. It's in New York City. Dark suburbia. I think because like public school is such a successful American endeavor, creating like the most diverse conditions possible for human beings to like interact in. A lot of times it can create dark situations that you witness whenever you go to public school. Adolescence really is full of, there's like, because you are so idle, you are so bored and trapped and you're also naive. I think people confuse naivete with purity, but I think naivete actually just leads to a lot of grotesque, revolting situations. Yeah, it's truly like, where were you when someone tried to make you watch Two Girls, One Cup? That is very quintessential suburban experience but also just like i think this time i don't know it's very corny to say but i feel like our generation largely speaking like zillennial cuspies i was born in 2000 but whatever i feel like they're always like we were born at the perfect time because we had the internet but we also played outside you know um yeah i think there's an oh element God. of that too this nostalgia uh-huh. as well we think that xanax was the zillennial drug i just want to put that out there I honestly think the people that were most affected by the Zandemic seem to be those people that are maybe younger millennials. Uh, Not to discredit anyone who saw something going on with that in real life with older people. But like, I mean, I I don't want to make Lil Peep the poster child for this, but I think he was born in 1996, Mm -hmm. which is like a millennial year. Yeah, it seems accurate to me. I mean, it's like this devolved because I feel like it started out with actual stolen prescription drugs like taking drugs that were prescribed to your parents or grandparents mm-hmm. xanax was very like easy to get a prescription to from what i understand if you like had any type of situational anxiety about anything i don't know i guess it was like widely available in like a household sense but then mm-hmm. i think as it became popular as a street drug the 
gradual influence of fentanyl really slowed it down so yeah that makes sense like when you're thinking about the timeline i don't think it was really an influence in my adolescence at least in the people i know like i think we were just felt safe with weed and alcohol <laughs> yeah yeah i also did not really see any like i think i kind of missed the zandemic just because like xanax was just like not really a thing where i was growing up but um biz did you, you you've mentioned before that like you really were like at the epicenter of the zandemic <laughs> I wouldn't say I was the epicenter. That sounds uh, like I was the, like, um, the festival Mary of, of the pandemic. <laughs> but definitely, I guess, on the streets of the from approximately 2015, 2017. But yeah, it definitely lines up with the idea that this was a drug that was really propagated by middle class, upper middle class kids that, you know, could go for non-essential doctor's visits and just tell their doctor that they were experiencing anxiety and panic attacks even though they were experiencing those things, they definitely use it recreationally. A person I was dating at a point in college was like really big on Xanax and we used to just like roam lower Manhattan together and it literally was like euphoria. Like it just felt like a dream. I have a question. Does Xanax give you a euphoric feeling? Like I was under the impression that it made you kind of like numb. Like all of the music is like so numberly. Numberly. I think it depends on the person. I mean, people definitely knew that they were scamming their doctors, but it was like a really common practice. And also people would just like pop Zans at parties or bars. It was really discreet. You didn't have to hide it. You didn't have to go to the bathroom like you did for like like powders. So it was like the perfect, it was the perfect drug for like gifted kids who like, former gifted kids who like had college scholarships. Did y'all hear that? Wait, there's like gunshots in my parking lot, dude. Hold on a second. No. Sam, don't go to the window. Stop. This is so dark suburbia. You need to call 911. I don't think it was there because there's like people walking their dogs outside, but it was like, really loud. <laughs> Dog shot the gun. No, we're good. No, I think it's just there's like sometimes. I think it's just like people here like like to fuck around a lot. Well, they do that. They do people do that into their backyard and shoot and guns at yeah. each other. Like, they have them just in their like they shoot squirrels and shit. Like I don't know, but we can keep going. I'm so fucking sorry, y'all. Oh no, it's okay. Um, okay, so, uh, okay, yeah. So a person I was dating in college was really big on Xanax, so I definitely got to see how it became like such a ritualistic part of someone's day like and I definitely also saw like the I don't want to glamorize this at all like I saw some the really really bad sides of like Xanax addiction and saw it really like ruin some people's lives in multiple scenarios not just in New York but like at state schools and stuff too like people getting arrested because oh, yeah they... it's like a memory it causes a memory hole mm-hmm. yes yeah it causes a huge memory hole for a lot of people and I definitely also saw how this type of media played out on teenagers. Like someone really close to me when I was like younger was, I don't know, I guess a teen addict or something. And we were like obsessed with Epistonum. And then this person like Epistonum, like harder than Epistonum ever could. I think this stuff really did have, you know, real life effects. And we kind of mentioned that at the beginning about fentanyl. A lot of people lose years of their lives and like ruin relationships through this type of substance abuse. And they were so young too that they 
no one knew what they were doing. And yeah, I, th I think from what I'm gathering here, it sounds like Xanax use is in a kind of liminal space. It's almost like a loophole because it's it's a prescription drug that's legal, but you're using it in a way that's not legal. And I feel mm -hmm. like there's some kind of safety in that or perceived okayness about it. Yeah, it's like I said, it's like a perfect drug for people that are like former gifted kids that are on scholarship at like NYU or yeah. Columbia or something because you can't get in trouble it for it. It also just seems like the side effects are just like a massive relinquishing of control. Like it just, which mm -hmm. I guess can be freeing in a way, as our protagonist Rue has mentioned. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is a, a good time to bring up Skins, probably, because Skins and Euphoria and probably Degrassi, too, are kind of like the dark triad of teen media. Degrassi's literally like an after-school special, bro. Like, is Degrassi dark? dark? I've never seen it. Well, at, I, I think for the time it was, like, it was, there was, like, it was, like, the first portrayal of, like, a school shooting. And, and like, cutting on TV and stuff like that, yeah. And then Maddie from Euphoria is based entirely on like a character from Degrassi. It was Manny, Manny from <laughs> from Degrassi. Manny and Maddie. That's yeah, busted. they just changed two letters. I, I mean, from I I just remember Skins from my era, and I do remember like a lot of girls watching Skins and literally changing their behavior because when you're like a teenager, you're trying to find I think like the central psychological feature of adolescence is like finding a way to escape your adolescence people like effie stonem provide a very romanticized view of what it is to like escape your the humdrum of your daily yeah, life this is like way more flop in real life i don't know like i think when in your adolescence yes. you're so desperate to differentiate yourself from the people around you from the outside is not the sleigh that they think it is no, it's sloppy and like, depressing. Yeah, but obviously things like mental illness and like addiction and stuff can be helped, but sometimes mm -hmm. like you can tell when people are just trying to act out um or, 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 yeah, skins and uh euphoria, interesting comparison. I think as you said, biz in the notes and what I've noticed too is that it seems like population density plays like a major factor. I think Euphoria is like padded by these scenes of people driving or riding bikes or skateboarding or whatever like transportation they get to use from like one place to the other. But it seems like in Skins like they're genuinely always like bumping into each other and like they're always in one place. Transportation in general is a very introspective experience. Even in cities if you're taking public transportation it's like so isolating like you're truly trapped there with your thoughts. I think it's also like that there's this difference in tone and also difference in like recklessness between euphoria and skins that's due to the fact that the UK suburbs are literally like extremely dense and the American suburbs suburbs are the opposite. There's so much space. And so a lot of the skins chaos was very frenetic. It was very like fast paced. And in euphoria, it feels a lot more like ambient, kind of like an abstract desolation. It, it seems more anxiety based in yeah. euphoria it's not even like a, a um, space scale but also like a time scale i feel like because the original setup of euphoria was one episode per character where we learn like their collective trauma of their whole life euphoria has this really insane focus on pathology and like this almost modern therapistic way where it's just every character's problems is explained by childhood trauma like abandonment issues watching too much tv and yeah i've seen some takes on twitter about how euphoria is secretly conservative because oh these kids from like a two-parent household now 
are sexual deviants and they're transgender and they I don't know it's like all because your dad left you like now you can never be normal Oh, yeah, I guess that's also a thing in Skins. It's like the broken family and the, the ripple effect it creates. But also in Skins, obviously they're good-looking people, but they're not as good-looking. They're good-looking. Kaiska Delario is super beautiful. No, they're definitely, like, attractive yeah. in their own way. But yeah. they're not, like... I think in Skins they're a bit more, like, personality-wise charming. Yeah, they're cheeky. The cheekiness factor in Euphoria is non-existent yeah they're very uncharming and then the only cheekiness is through maddie and it's like very but it's not very pleasant it's like you wouldn't want to like be around her yeah no yeah it's very like exaggerated bitchiness and that's another thing too is like they all embody different memes of certain types of people that are not really even people that you encounter in real life it's, it's very much an adult trying to like portray gen z i mean this is obviously a, a teen drama marketed toward an adult audience nothing about this feels like it's like on hbo like doesn't feel like it's meant for teenagers, teenagers love it though teens love it they do but i think that the market is for adults like i think we're going like the japanese direction where like anime portrayals of high school and stuff that are like weird and horny really help people bug people stuck in like really boring jobs escape the monotony of adulthood or something i don't know if y'all agree with me on that though. i think it has a really widespread appeal i don't know i think it's a bit reductive to limit it to that just because it's like it adapted well to that audience like it literally is just like so ubiquitous but yeah i guess we all have adolescent regrets and would like for our teen years to be a lot more interesting because there is this pressure that they're supposed to be like the best years of your life but the reality is gen z right now is probably having like the most boring teenhood ever so they're like living vicariously mm -hmm. through these characters that are their age or a little bit older we're gonna like avoid having like real euphoria takes here but i would like to say that it seems like male pathologies are really coming to the cultural foreground and not in the kind of lib boys don't cry men need therapy kind of way but you know there's a lot of writing about the suburbs specifically how like housewives are super isolated but this character of cal is seems important because we're seeing the patriarch head of household experiencing like loneliness sacrifice spiraling out feeling really unfulfilled i don't know all the boys in euphoria have such like weird emotional shit going on um so this kind of reminds me of like as we were talking about like tyler the creator i think as a figure we can track the changing face of masculinity throughout the 2010s through him so as we mentioned he starts out as this like very edgelordian like provocateur shock value guy but somewhere along the way he became like a soft boy bisexual nail polish wearing flower boy and now all of his like fans from this era are like wait like why was he rapping about raping people like what was going on i think mm. that the soft boy boys boys can be emotional too is a very marketable perception of masculine pathology but i think that it is a lot darker than anyone is really ready to portray in media other than i think euphoria because it does have a lot to do with there's like a weird mischievous energy to male adolescence that can go two directions it can go in like the hooligan clown direction or it can go in like the very repressed violent frat boy or school shooter direction I kind of hate that that's how it's portrayed in Euphoria, though, because like the ultimate villains of the show are Nate and his dad. And that does 
it is like an accurate portrayal of how dark and deep that kind of pathology and anguish can get but in a way not to be like not to be like men's rights but I'm like they definitely don't get afforded any of like the empathy characterization that almost all of the other characters do there is like more to there's like a lot more to be said about like the complexities of the effects of pornography on the modern adolescent male brain I think that is like a really important conversation to have and I don't even think euphoria is doing it in a very productive way given the fact that it it itself portrays some like really really just like excessive amounts of sexuality that just cause the same amount of repression as like censorship does in my opinion the main conflict i think is like every single guy in that show trying to beat the gay allegations like they're really all struggling so hard and it has something to do with like male friendship yeah seriously that i do think that it's interesting that you said that this brand is of masculinity like soft boyism is very marketable and i think it's because it's like men written by a woman like it's what Mm -hmm. uh it's like the female gaze you know of like what women wish men were like um from like Mm -hmm. a relationship standpoint but i just don't think it's realistic and it also is like this reminds me of what drake said recently i don't know if we said it recently or if it like came out recently but he was like i I'm not afraid to admit that I make music for women because, like, women control men. And, like, if they're playing their music in the car with boys, like, they own everything. I don't know. Drake definitely read it. And he produces Euphoria, so. Oh, yeah, he's the executive producer. Yeah. So sussy. <laughs> yeah, isn't that very? Yeah, he's very, like, I think Drake is, like, closet trans. Like, I think he's eggy. He's a he's a lesbian. Yeah, he's a heathen lesbian. I also think that Flower Boy softboyism is very visually marketable because I would say that Flower Boy made, you know, Boy Pablo possible. Yeah, he's like, it's like male bedroom pop. And I guess we can talk about Tyler, the creator's like uh, creative endeavors, like his golf clothing line and like their Converse collaboration. It literally has like little flowers on it. The shirts are like ringer tees with these very kitty little stripes on them yeah there's an interesting i mean our future's legacy is like mm-hmm. much more in fashion i think and culture than it actually isn't changing rap or hip-hop the odd future like they weren't the first alternative rappers they weren't the first shock rappers the first diy rappers but they did he did have an impact on his contemporaries in terms of sound but he didn't radically change the hip-hop landscape music wise there's a quote from grailed there were no music videos featuring lavish mansions supercar what's a supercar really cool cars cool cars i don't know yeah really cool cars or strippers nor were there extensive bragging about wealth or opulence Louboutin and Balmain were replaced by Vans and Supreme with Tyler, a new paradigm emerged, which is true. Like there was this turn away from flexing and Supreme didn't have the same cultural capital before. I mean, I guess he really did create the multi-hyphenate musician as like we know him today. Like people like Travis Scott would not be able to do all of like pro- the collaborations that he was is able to do if it wasn't for Odd Future because Tyler has such like ADHD energy like, it really does seem like he had to do, like, every creative product. Yeah, that I mean, Odd Future had a TV show for some reason. They had, like, a little camp music festival. These are all things that Travis Scott tried to do, but he just, like, is so unlikable and, like, weird. 
he's so evil like he literally he took like the hooliganism and just made it like and not like silly evil. dark i don't know like tyler can get away with a lot because of his silliness but the boyish vibes of golf tyler the creator's brand and also his like kind of coming out as having homosexual tendencies around the same time it really enforces my like opinion that gay men are like mentally stuck in like this weird boyhood do you know what i mean like so many gay men i know are like always dressed like little boys the pederasty of it all i don't want to i'm not accusing tyler the creator of anything but i do think like i don't know I mean, that's just like an ancient homosexual dynamic. Homosexuality is, yeah, it's like a cult of youth type thing. The song, You're Too Fucking Young. Who's that he, about? He became so, he became so light suburbia. Like, I just see like astroturf and like the blue sky and like, it became so like primary colored. Well, because he stopped being interested in Fairfax Avenue and started being interested in country clubs and preppiness was always a... It's very, like, etymological because Golf Wang originally came around because, like, Odd Future Wolfgang killed them all. Wolfgang, Golf Wang. Then he isolated the golf and started playing on the, like, (laughs) associations with actual golf and, like, leisure core... But I'm like, what happened to the old kill them all, you know? You know, we've developed, us three have developed a somewhat peripheral interest on pop culture Satanism. Um, There might be an upcoming episode on that, or we just might mention things about it. But we, uh, through just general inquiries into this, have discovered that Aleister Crowley predicted that our era would be the age of Horus, which is also known as the age of the child. And that's like a, I think, very tied to like the adolescent darkness of Euphoria and of Odd Future. Um, yeah, I guess we should address their race at some point. Yeah, Tyler also talks about that a lot. He talks about his inspiration creating his own brands. So he started his first serious collaboration was with Vance, and I think 2013, and then he did one with Converse. But then he wanted to start his own label because he talks about how I think. Let me just find the quote. It's basically about how Black people aren't paid enough and kind of, like, don't get their due profit from their collaborations. That's interesting. Uh, I realized Black people don't really own shit. So I said, fuck royalty checks. I'm going to start my own shit. And if it fails, it fails. So I started to start my own shoe company and shit. Good job. Yeah, it is funny that they made being public nuisances their brand as, like, mostly black kids and they kind of got away with it to what i understand i do wonder what the palatability of this was to white kids i went to a bonnaroo show in the peak of this and it was a childish gambino show and it was jam fucking packed with like frat white frat boys who were obsessed and so happy to be there i mean i think it's like for white kids like a fantasy of having like a cool like black friend group i don't know white kids wish they could have this much creative energy and swag and like power between them but also we were what was the earl song that we were looking Mm -hmm. at where he said like too black for the white kids too white for the black and we were just like okay like are you saying that just because you're like suburban like they kind of like redefined i guess like being 
black in the suburbs or something i think that that was like a very poorly represented thing and in, in black like in any like black media up until odd future for this era like i don't know there just like was didn't seem to be and i think it's also because they're energy was so high school-esque it makes it like a lot less threatening so white people feel more comfortable like really just like adopting it and it does like it's like cultural cringe vibes like oh finally some like colorful tropical slash like ethnic like flavor in my suburb or whatever so like (laughs) and also there was like the dad core aspect to this that seems super appealing to white boys at this time. I just want to interject this interesting data point I just saw from Grailed, which is that Google search data points to Tyler as the overall the largest driver of supreme related searches from 2011 through 2015, more than ASAP Rocky, Travis Scott, Justin Bieber, and Chance the Rapper, respectively. So yeah, he changed the way people dress uh, because supreme is a such a big part of what we think of as streetwear. I also think we we've mentioned Mac DeMarco a little bit. He was also part of this, and obviously on a different side of culture. But there's an intersection. Also the there's a heavy irony thing, yeah. to his cultural output as well. But I think the dadcore thing. I think his Tyler and Odd Future style evolved with time, though, and Mac DeMarco's didn't, which is why. <laughs> it doesn't seem like a coincidence to me that both of them have gap teeth and they were just like always smiling in this very devilish little way like mm-hmm. they look like the cover of mad magazine or something and it's just like i don't know having like gap teeth or like bad teeth in any way like i think it's like a suburban signifier of the fact that you're just like built different i think that the mad magazine boy is really demonic like i've always gotten really demonic vibes from that guy I literally used to love it. <laughs> really? Yeah, it was a little fool. Um, it was a little fool. Also, I think I want to talk about Mac DeMarco for a second here and say, obviously, his music was a lot more sincere and ballad-like, but there was this, like, uh, I guess a dialectic of trying to figure out if he was this, like, really chilled-out guy that dressed like a dad. It was super chill. I, like, met him, and he, I don't know, just, like, a really nice, chill guy. And then he also had this demented streak, which was like putting drumsticks up his butthole at shows, like swinging from the rafters. That has got to be appealing to boys who are, you know, like want to have that feral side Mm -hmm. of them. Well, that's kind of what I was talking about when I meant like there's this like mischievous like goblin dualism to all like adolescent boys. It, It is. I think there's like a there's a dualism to men like that is like synthesized within this this like aspect of male culture like in a very palpable way i i think this was for me the start of big pants syndrome and the mainstream probably but big big pants gets it lets you skip your painful male adolescence dressing days and be a little boy again or an old grandpa wearing a bucket hat dad or kid dualism that is like such a post 2000 post like um y2k style is very anachronist i mean obviously but i think it's just because teenage girls are really highly valued in society even if we like hate their guts and think they suck a lot of times like as a culture we also really are obsessed with them but teenage boys well there's just too many gross out factors to teenage adolescents like male adolescents to like really portray it in media 
appropriately and in a like appealing way without making it like American Pie like goofy or doing like a Richard Linklater esque like hazy like yeah it really is a mystery how boys come of age and grow up why is yeah can someone please tell us what teen what male adolescence is like besides just like masturbating do you guys really want that in your dms for a man to tell you what it's like to be an adolescent um should we should we talk about fezco mac mac miller cultural cringe like white get a white boy archetype i think it's just like we like people that are in the liminal space of of race so it's like you know odd future there are these like suburban black kids who have like an alternative streak to them that makes them somewhat more approachable than like straight up like rappers Mm -hmm. um and we like white boys that have a little Mm -hmm. bit of cultural (laughs) cultural flair to them like white people that grew up in the hood i think are quite likable to me but I think there's something very specifically suburban about a, a large portion of ghetto white boys. And it is just like a moment of cultural cringe. Like it literally is just cultural cringe to be like kind of a ghetto white boy. Fez is kind of an outlier. And like, uh, I think he is like numb and broken because of his lived experience, like in a way that like a person of color would be. I mean, isn't there's just a fast a fascination right now with like, hmm, what are poor white people like? Like, even though he's not mm-hmm. poor, he occupies this like status of like a poor white person in his affects. And um I think the culture right now is really obsessed with that. Like we're gonna see that I think it's the the population is just like so overeducated that it does feel refreshing to like experience someone who like line cook vibes like someone whose goals aren't like this very hustly like yeah it's kind of like anti-millennialification because millennials are so i mean no the liberal class is so detached from i don't know that sort of thing and they like want to hide that part of their background if it's part of their background well we said this in the the russian bimbo for episode that like poor the idea of poor white people is really like thrown into the liminal space for everybody it's like that is like something that the american brain literally can't mm-hmm. even perceive they're like poor white person like don't know what that looks like don't know what that is never heard of it and it's like totally but it is like huge portion of the population there's like a specific culture to it and i think people are bringing it back in like a fetishistic way with like a redneck core type thing and with like the fetishization of like the ghetto white boy because i think i don't know i think that um the reason why is because like a lot of woke discourses obscure reality a lot more than they reveal it and people are like kind of tired of like like alexi like how you said like it, it is like a very overeducated population that has like categorized every, it, it thinks it's categorized like every possible like lived experience yeah i mean swag can't be taught is the thing like class kind of can be but swag is like this is like a very major thing i'm always really jealous of girls that have like effortlessness as one of their major traits and i think this is probably the way people feel about like white boys with swag like it really is like there's no way you can put effort into being effortless but it's about how you're raised too so much of it is how you're raised yeah i mean i think it is like like your culture is what you grew up in like that's just what your culture is like i don't know yeah all this is 
say we are the the this white boy with swag is a, like a master class in cultural appreciation i'd say yeah i mean they're literally transcendent knights they're gonna save us we need a white boy with swag for president mac miller for president yeah mac miller we haven't talked about lean lean felt like a very brief moment in this Arab culture, and it seems like more confined to the South, I think. Like, Lena's a very Southern drug, I think. It's a Southern recipe. Yeah, it's a Southern recipe. Lean and Sprite. Um, it also seems like like Xanax, like a kind of substance abuse hack, because you can, like, go to the store and make it. Um, I don't know if people in, you knew were, like, doing robo-tripping or... Yeah, codeine was definitely something that a lot of people enjoyed. Codeine crazy. Was that also future? I don't know. Maybe... Yeah, it is. Future, and also the fact that he has so many children. But he was birthed from, like, a strip club, from, like, Magic City. Like, that's where he was put on. He was born in a strip club. He wasn't born there, but, like, the future persona. Like, they played his music there, and, like, strippers liked it so much, and it was, like, very danceable. And so many rappers went there that he became... He literally is the future, yeah. Lauren Greenfield's Magic City documentary, he's, like, in it. Like, everything that he says is so slurred that, like, you literally cannot understand what he's saying. He, like, barely opens his mouth when he speaks. Like, I feel like I've heard him speak many, many times, but I've never seen him actually open his mouth. I feel like that literally means you're so talented, though, to make a song where you're barely opening your mouth. I mean, it's, like, post-verbal. Yeah. Like, it's just proof that music is, like, a universal language. You don't need to know what people are saying. Sure. I remember Designer, the guy who made that song, Panda, that was, like, very 2016. He had, like, this, like, freestyle on XXL or something where he was singing this song about Timmy Turner, and it made absolutely no sense. But it was, like, it was so beautiful. I, think I remember people, that. I saw people, like, comparing it to, like, an ancient, like slave song or something and they were like this is our ancestors like speaking through him like mumble rap is like spiritual to me in a way i mean future is future and designer almost like two on two ends of the spectrum because designer has like the craziest energy and he's like the craziest gestures and then future it's like i feel like i've never even seen him move like what facial expressions does he make like what gestures it's like he's literally like a stone like he's like a statue <laughs> you know what i mean like i could see him being a cult leader like a Buddha-esque he's very namaste yeah he's like wait oh my god this makes me think so we've talked about on future darkness whatever dark suburbia but there is like a subsect to this vibe that i would call playground rap that is like Lil Yachty mm-hmm. yeah chance the rapper he really had an album called rapper. coloring book Mm-hmm. Like, who else? Like, Dram, that song Broccoli. Like, music oh that had little God. toy, like, rap music that had, like, toy pianos or, like, mm-hmm. a very melodic, like, childlike mm-hmm. little whimsical air to it. Like, Lil Yachty, mm-hmm. like, influenced a bunch of boys to wear Nautica in this kind of, like, ironic mm-hmm. way. And I think that also is, like, a different expression of, like, childhood nostalgia for boys. Like, literally rookie for boys vibes. Alright, so I think The Simpsons were a big part of media icons for these boys and this kind of feels like the last time boys were allowed to be obsessed with nostalgic kids cartoon media without being ducked on but i think this has been replaced by anime but i do think men are made fun of for like having a childish streak a lot now or being obsessed with cartoons 
this is the absolute opposite of what's going on with women which is like grown women being obsessed with hello kitty a cab a cab hello kitty and i guess to connect this back to something else as we mentioned it is a mystery to us how boys grow up like because girls are so oversaturated with media about that's very didactic about coming of age but it does seem like adolescence in males is like quite extended and you know the man child used to be a very revered figure like the movie ted i don't know why it's the first mm-hmm. thing that's coming to my mind but also like homer simpson is a man child he's adorable yeah. i think that whole era of, like grown-ups um stepbrothers brothers and what's the one where they're he's a race yeah, the, right? yeah. the ballad of ricky bobby that what all the will ferrell movies were a celebration of the man child boys are just boys like forever boys will be boys question mark <laughs> but anyway now like this trope is very villainized for like quote-unquote weaponizing incompetence but man children are they valid i think sometimes <laughs> I agree. I mean, I think it's um better to harness man-child energy than to harness dark goblin energy, which I think they're both inherently tied to each other. And boys, it's like a which way Western man choice whenever teenage men, teenage boys are uh, are expressing themselves is like you either go like a very dark route or you go the man-child route, which at some point, at some level will remain with you throughout your life. Uh, are you guys familiar with Lil Xan, the rapper? Also, people accusing him of being, literally accusing him of being trans fame. They were like, he's too pretty, and they were like, why does he wear hoodies on stage all the time? Like a trans man? Yeah, okay, I yeah, can see that was, for sure. Uh, yeah, trans man. Well, anyways, Lil Xan, rapper, really only known for this one song called Betrayed. Definitely a huge cultural marker in the move away from Xanax, besides the tragic deaths that we have spoken about a few times already. And Betrayed is just about, like, Lil Xan's struggle with Xanax abuse. It honestly really is uh, slaps, so you guys should listen to it. We're thinking about making a playlist for you guys. The playlist should definitely go, like, it should start out, like, with Xanny family or, like, something kind of hype and then end on, like, that note. Yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> I can wrap that so we don't have to worry about royalties if you want. I literally, yeah. I think. No, I'm going to commission the guy with the gun to like hold us at gunpoint and make us rap goblin. <laughs> I wouldn't even. Ugh, crazy. I literally would, I would save you guys' lives. I personally deliver would. us from this moment of peril. But yeah, I mean, I think that song is just a really good example of how we went from rapping about Zans in a positive or neutral light uh, to being like Xanax is going to betray you. It's going to ruin your life. And that song went viral and a lot of people related to it. Okay, let's just think about some questions together. Did we talk about Brockhampton breaking up? I'm going to talk about it. (laughs) So uh, we forgot to mention this at the top because we we were really excited to talk to you guys. Every week we get so excited to talk to you guys. Uh, Brockhampton was the epitome of boy villains as first laid down by Odd Future. 
they kind of expanded this concept and merged it with the idea of a boy band. They were like, we're an alternative boy band of 57 boys wearing jumpsuits from the movie Holes. And they actually just canceled their tour. Um, and so they're breaking up after doing a show, I believe, in London as their final yeah. show. They would also paint their whole bodies blue or something. I don't know. Like like the Blue Man group? Well, they had their one of their albums was called Saturation. Like they were very interested in oh, this idea right. of like that's pumping right. things up. Like flavor blasting things, basically. <laughs> yeah. No, fun fact about Brockhampton, it's named after to the Corpus listeners, shout out to y'all. Shout out to the south side of Corpus Christi, which is the suburbs of Corpus. And there's a street there called Brockhampton, um, which is where Kevin Abstract grew up. And me and him went to high school together. He was like a year above me. And he's really nice. He was like a nice guy. You guys ever fuck? No, we never <laughs> fucked. I was like such a weird, I was like such a weird like rookie girl in high school. He, he did witness me in my rookie phase with like flower crowns in high school. But I was also that bitch that was wearing flower crowns in high school. And he was like a SoundCloud rappery type like emo kid or something. So did you guys really want to eat the Odd Future pink donut? Mm-hmm. It was so Homer Simpson. Like it yeah. really still makes me so hungry. <laughs> yeah. It's so Homer Simpson is like the cutest <laughs> word ever. I want to go to Universal Studios really bad because I do have that donut. I think it's a really looks delicious i know los angeles has like those giant donut signs they're in the movie iron man <laughs> like he like lands on a giant yeah. donut sign oh, my God. oh okay we could do a would you rather That's actually okay really okay <laughs> would you rather um perform at camp vlogdom <laughs> but you're like really talented like you're really good at like doing your act or would you rather um I want to say go on a date with Lil Peep because that I think was part of his essence. He was like romantic, but he's dead, so I don't want to say that. So can would you rather think fight of a too poor, or would you rather <laughs> fight at? Would you want to fight too poor at Camp Vlogna? Uh, <laughs> like, you could say go on a Fug. date with Lil Xan, but you don't truly really know his gender situation. <laughs> would you? Have to- <laughs> Would you guys rather go on a little a date with Lil Xan and he picks you up in his PJ private jet and you guys go wherever you want? Or would you rather perform at Camp Flogna but you're really bad <laughs> oh at God. it? Okay. That's such a good question. <laughs> I don't want to go anywhere with Lil Xan. Like not to be transphobic, but like I just don't want to. <laughs> I think his, I feel like his private jet is made out of like aluminum foil because it just I don't think he has the riches to accommodate that. Um, yeah, I mean he literally is like engaged with the most flop nepo baby. Um, ugh, she's definitely like sponsoring him. He literally looks so deformed. Ugh, but I don't want to say that now because he's trans apparently. <laughs> it's like he's the facial trans. masculinization <laughs> surgery did not go as planned. <laughs> I would perform at Camp Flogna. <laughs> I would, I would perform at in Camp the camp Flogna. spirit. I would perform something like I would do like log rolling. <laughs> <laughs> I would read a scary story. Read a scary story. <laughs> log rolling. Oh, that would, that's literally Camp Log. No. I'm surprised that Camp Flogna. I don't know. I feel like Earl Sweatshirt probably had like 
camp trauma or something. Like, <laughs> Dude, I don't know why. Would like, you rather yeah, go to Coral Reef Academy? <laughs> um, okay. Would you guys rather drink lean that has no codeine in it? So it's it's literally just temple? cherry juice. <laughs> don't you put Xanax inside the no. lean? No. Oh my god, that sounds horrible. Like, this is about my, this is about my boneless <laughs> lean. <laughs> would you guys rather drink boneless lean? Or would you rather fuck? Ugh, God, I keep asking questions about t- tasty snacks. Uh, I know. Um, would you rather animal fries? I don't know. Okay, no, we already talked about animal fries. Just give me a second. I'm gonna think about this from the top. Okay. 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 I got it. I got it. Would you rather have an infinite supply of boneless lean so it has no coating in it, or would you rather have your own personal 90s style taco belt but they don't make food it's just like your hangout and like you get to hang out there um but they don't make food it's just like the 90s style taco belt that has like the memphis style design on the inside i would rather do the taco <laughs> you know, bell. what kind of question is I that was really about. good it was so evocative like i feel like i'm inside the taco bell yeah does the Taco Bell have a functioning drink machine? No, it's literally oh. like a playhouse. Like it doesn't have. Okay. It's kind Imagine of. Imagine throwing a party space. in there though, or like a kickback. Like it would just be so lit. <laughs> yeah, we should all post up in there. Post up in there. <laughs> there are so many verbs that are like Xandemic specifically like posted, yeah. faded. Yeah. There are two. There are two of them. Two even. Uh, do they call it lean because it makes you lean over with intoxication? I thought it was because it like rhymes with codeine. Oh, that's very and like methazine. No, it, it Houston people speak in a very interesting way. The Houston like vernacular scissor. is like yeah, scissor, scissor like. My sister always called it Cody cups, but I think that's something she might have made up. <laughs> she made. Cody cups too. That's crazy. No, I don't. I mean, no people do say codeine. Like, they say codeine in your cup, so it makes sense they would say it, like, what you just said. Yeah. Drink up in my um, cup. I love that song. Guys. Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry, I said I have a really good question, but keep going. <laughs> no, no, you go ahead. You're no, really you like ahead. the Riddler, Biz. You're on the Riddler. <laughs> I honestly am a Riddler. Like, I just am naturally a Riddler. Okay, so would you guys rather future kind of be, like, your own personal Buddha? So you kind of, like can give you this advice when you need it like enlightenment style or would you rather tyler the creator be um your gay husband and you have access to his riches and his his mind i would rather definitely have future be my personal buddha to follow me around everywhere i'm not making these very hard i'm like making one extremely better (laughs) than the other one yeah i think an actual good alternative would be like you have old era Tyler the Creator following you around, and he's wearing like a devil costume, and he's like playing tricks on people you don't like. <laughs> Wait, you want that or you don't? I do want that. Or you, you can wanna... get like the dynamic of like the an- angel on your shoulder yeah, is like yeah, ancient yeah. future, like future as like this ancient stone man that has like like indiscernible wisdom. He speaks in like three words. <laughs> he speaks sentences. in tongues. Yeah. And, um, and then like Tyler the Creator is like the devil that would. <laughs> Tyler really gave me like a trickster, like a like in a fable, like a trickster. Yeah. Kind of well, you could, maybe your question is like, would you rather 
watch no i was gonna say no. like would you rather watch the, the simpsons or like a cartoon <laughs> where you are the star and like tyler the creator i don't know <laughs> i have a good one it's okay you do would it, you guys yeah. rather have to wear yeezys for the rest of your life or you have to wear um the golf <laughs> no i feel like the alternative is like wearing a shirt with the wolf on it or a giant cat face yeah. i feel like the obvious answer is yeezys i i'm not it's yeezys no not at all are you kidding i want the cat shirt. the rest of your life you would wear the cat shirt i think i could layer it okay, okay. i didn't say Wait. that you could do that and yeezys are so busted like if we're talking the yeezys we are like, we are yeah or are you just talking i like yeezys. Yeezy og yeezys uh yeah i like the yeezy crocs a little bit but I just like them because they make option. you they make you look like a dinosaur and I just like like the vibe of that yeah. <laughs> dinosaur feet. Um the Yeezy slides that I bought Amazon knockoffs of. Okay. I think they're dope. I feel like we're literally at the point in a sleepover <laughs> where we're all just like laying on the ground and we're like <laughs> so delirious. So you guys, this is you don't even need drugs to have a fun time. You just have to like push okay, your physical limits. One last question. <laughs> I'm trying to get to know you guys. Would you rather be the most hated member of Odd Future? It's like everyone hates you, or the most beloved member of Rockhampton. Rockhampton. Oh my god! I know it's very. I think. Honestly, the most hated member of Odd Future. They just seem yeah. more fun to hang yeah, out with. I agree, most hated. And they would uplift you even if the world. <laughs> yeah, because they're so out. loyal. All right, last question. Yeah. It's really easy, so you guys don't have to think about it. <laughs> and then you can sign off. Which, what, what is better to you, Eric Andre show or Rick and Morty? <laughs> <laughs> That was so embarrassing, but I actually, like, adore Rick and Morty. Like, I have seen, like, every really? episode of it. I think it's so good. Yeah. I, like, literally the worst thing about me is that I really like cartoons. Like, I don't know mm. what's wrong with me. Like, but, yeah, Rick and Morty, you I mean, like. a lot of in-depth cartoon, like, lore. Yeah. Cartoon yeah. lore, I know. And then it's like, have I read a book recently? No, not really. <laughs> um, but the Eric Andre show, I mean, like, the absurdism vibe is good, but, like, every like film bro has the sense of humor now and it's like kind yeah. of played out no like ha- never mind you guys haven't seen the show i was gonna say there's a character on uh the austin show that's kind of inspired by eric andre but not relevant so really okay i have to watch that. yeah just kind of like those boys that love to push awkwardness as much as possible and then be like a little bit feral but <laughs> edit that out because it just makes sense you have to have swag to pull it off i mean yeah, i have I mean, kind like... of a crush on eric andre for some reason like i always have yeah, like same. he's just but he also like whenever he straightens his hair like cat williams i'm like please he used to post like dick pics like on instagram and shit and like i was a teenager and i was like oh my god i don't even want to get into- i'm gonna edit this out but i mean he's kind of <laughs> the absurd like richard aody vibes yeah. like yeah that's true he's yeah it's kind of like his, um his alter ego. I would watch the Eric Andre show only because I developed some sort of aversion to Rick and Morty, but I think honestly, I think that Rick and Morty would keep you safe longer and the Eric Andre show would make you go insane quicker. So I I reverse my my answer and I say I'd go with Rick and Morty just because I do think it would t- keep you safe longer mentally. 
Yeah, you're probably right on that. Okay, well, that's really... Guys, we really have gone through <laughs> the like... pandemic. <laughs> yeah, we really did. You're welcome. Yeah. Alright, yeah. well, thanks everyone for listening. We really um, enjoyed making this episode and felt that we obviously don't want to make light of anything we discussed. I have like a lot of personal experience with like the dark, the dark paths that can come from this. Not me personally, but like I've seen that happen a lot. So yeah, um, I feel like that's important to say, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, be careful out there, everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, Use your best judgment. Yeah. Mm, be, so creative. be creative. Be creative. Text the Euphoria hotline if you need something. Make your own yeah. odd future. I mean, the future, it's really... <laughs> like, they were right. It's odd. It's odd already, dude. Yeah. It's a strange and uncertain future. No, yeah. You should you should all go out and start your own multi-hyphenate media projects with your friends. And or maybe... you can focus on having one hyphen or zero first. True. Just yeah. get out of the DMs and into the drawing pod mm-hmm. yeah this this episode is very like not touch grass but like touch asphalt like get in the shopping cart like mm-hmm. go to the convenience store become friends with a the guy there in like a funny little way develop rapport get addicted to cereal develop rapport yeah. with the convenience store guy is probably one of the best things that you can do for your psyche have yes. an order there so that they remember it um this will be healthy for your ego development drink a 7-eleven slurpee yeah, an Arizona iced tea, even. Yep. Even. A Snapple, perhaps. <gasps> Peach. Yeah. Okay. Amen, amen everybody. Yeah, okay. Good night. Good night. Bye. Say something. Respect. Yeah, yeah. Three exotic broads and I got them soaking panties. Told them they were certified. Welcome to the Zanny family. Whoa, whoa. Certified.